Socially Good Media presents The Socially Good Podcast. I'm John Gilbert, who along with members of the team from the award-winning social marketing agency Eskimo Soup will be shining a light on the latest and the greatest in media communications. So, welcome along to the Socially Good Podcast. My guest today is Dr. Kirsty Close. Now, Kirsty is the chair of YME, which stands for Women into Manufacturing and Engineering. Kirsty, welcome along. Thank you very much. So, Kirsty, I've been reading up on this, and there is a bit of an issue that we have in the UK in particular when it comes to, I suppose, girls and women working in STEM. So, STEM being science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. That's right, yeah. I've got it written in note in front of me, so I didn't trust my cognitive ability to remember that. But he says that in the UK, women only make up one in eight roles in STEM, and that's the worst in Europe. That's right. Well, that sounds pretty bad, and I've used words like the worst. But why is that the challenge that you've chosen to take on yourself? Why is it such a, a big issue, and why are you so passionate about it? So I'm passionate about it because that's the industry that I worked in for 27 years. I worked for a company called BP, the big oil and gas company. I've heard of them. (laughs) So they're the ones who put diesel and petrol in your car. Um, We had amazing people working in our company. The full time that I was there, I had lots of great women working with me, but there were never enough women in the teams that I worked in. But what I saw was if you did have a mixture of guys and girls in the teams, the teams worked much better. And it is a UK issue. So, yeah, the stats show that places like Poland and Portugal will have a higher, much higher percentage of girls in these industries. And when I worked out in, in America, they had a higher number of girls in the teams that I worked in. So there's something a bit odd about the UK. And we've been trying to address it for years and years and years. And the numbers are not shifting very fast. We think they're shifting a little bit, but it's, it's a real, real challenge. So, I mean, we know there's, there's many things on about the UK, there's, but I, I guess when you make that kind of cultural comparison, is that, have you identified what those key drivers might be and what we should be focusing our effort on if we're going to try and redress this balance? Yeah, yeah. So lo- lots of people have done research, particularly asking the girls in the UK, particularly women who are in the industries, what, what made them want to be in that industry and what is a challenge. So one thing that we're not great at is if you Google engineer or scientist, you will come back with an image of a guy generally if it's a scientist they'll be in a lab coat and with gray fuzzy hair look a bit like einstein and if it's the engineer you're looking at it'll be a picture of a bloke in a high-vis jacket with a hard hat on and a building site if a girl does that and she's trying to be an engineer or a scientist she's gonna be turned off because she think well they're not like me so what we try and do is make sure when we run events that we bring along the women that are in this industry already because there are thousands of them they're just not very visible when you put the Google word in there in the search engine. So um, we run events that show women who are in that industry. We ask them to come along and explain what they do. Okay, you mentioned the events. So can you tell us a little bit about those and how, how do they work? So we design them to inspire girls and women to think about careers in manufacturing and engineering, just to consider them, not necessarily say it's for you, but just to think about it. Um, we run one on the North Bank and one on the South Bank. So this is a Humber-based programme. And they're really there where we help the role models tell their story. What is that they do as a job? So they could be a wind turbine technician working for Orsted in the North Sea. They could be a software engineering working, engineer working for Source, which is a software firm at C4DI. They could be a process technician working for Croda. We let them come along, tell their story to the girls and women that come along and give them a platform to showcase what it is that they've done and 
the other thing is how did they get it? Because sometimes a girl can be sitting there in a geography class or a physics class and thinking, well, how is this relevant to me getting a job? And what we try and do is get the women who've got those jobs to say, well, I liked physics or I liked maths or I liked geography at school and this is the job I now do. So it helps people translate what you're learning at school to a job that gives you money, lets you buy nice clothes and a car or whatever. So that's why we run the events the way we do. We get women standing there saying, this is the job I do, because the girls are much more likely to say, oh, I could do that because you look a bit like me, you sound a bit like me, you went to the same school as I did. Whereas if a guy stands there saying the same things, she might believe him. Um, if it's a lady standing there, she's much more likely to say, okay, I'll give it a go. There's certainly, I mean, I work in social marketing and we're looking for people like us as a trusted source. We're more likely to model the behaviours of, of others in there. Does it work the other way around? Do, do you think that, that guys would learn as much from a, a female speaker? Or can we imagine that? It, well, it's quite interesting. The guys, that, the, the, the dads that come along, so we get mums and dads to come along with the daughters as well. And the dads, um, they probably know our industry more because they're more likely to know someone who's been in that industry. And they will have set ideas of what it's like. So actually what we try and do with, with the dads is say, what industry do you work in? Is it similar to the one that your daughter's interested in? If he doesn't know anything about the industry she's talking about, then we educate the mum and dad as well. Because that's part of the issue is the jobs that the girls are going for today might be brand new jobs like data analytics or software engineering that mum and dad don't know anything about. And, they, and I talk to mums and dads quite a lot and say, well, they want to know, how can I help my daughter make the right choice? They want to help them get a good job, a job they're going to enjoy, but if they don't understand what a data analytics job is, how can they help that daughter or son? So we try and educate mum and dad as well as the daughter. Yeah, well, mums and dads have Google and they do have some sorts of information, but yeah, really you find out that quite often your kids know a lot more about it. <laughs> and we tend to be frightened of things that we don't understand. So I think it's really important that you, um, you've got this other level of communication that you, you're focusing in on your work. So the events that we're talking about, I understand there's two major ones in the calendar that you do each year. One's coming up fairly shortly in March in Scunthorpe, and then we have the whole one in October. That's right. And we've got various employers coming along to that. So who, who gets involved in it, and, and really what's, what do they see as the, the benefit for them? We, what we try and do is give a breadth of the range of employers, because when people think of manufacturing engineering, they tend to think of um, automotive engineering, so cars. What we try and think of is um, what's the, the real wide variety. So we do have chemical firms like the one I worked for, BP. We'll have refineries like Philips 66 and Total. We have software firms. That's a really small software firm called Source that has maybe 15, 20 people in it. I know Source. They moved into our old office, but they've grown a lot faster than we have. Yeah, yeah they're doing all right, aren't they? They are, they yeah. are and, and they're doing really, really well in, in what they do. And we bring people along like Ideal Boilers, so source work with Ideal to get their, their software as part of the, the package that people buy so they can go on their app on their phone and fiddle with their boiler when they're coming home. So we, we try and get the breadth and we get people like Smith and Nephew who do um, replacement joints you know, if, you, if you bust your hip. They're the ones that will give you the replacement joint. Well, the surgeon does it, but they manufacture it. So what we try and do is show them the huge variety. Lux and Aru is a laser um, company up in Hazel. Um, GV Wind that do they maintain the turbine blades in the North Sea or actually all around the world. So they want people that can climb heights. So most kids think you've got to be a bit like Einstein to go into science, technology, engineering, and maths. Reality is it's much broader than that. So 
companies like Airco Air Conditioning, they need people who are really practical, hands-on, love working with pipe work and pumps and compressors and stuff. So actually the industry needs a whole variety of people, people who are practically minded and also people who are more about the thinkers. Um, and kids don't always understand that and mum and dad doesn't always understand that. So that's what we try and do is bring a whole range of companies and hopefully as you walk through the door, maybe after the 10th, 12th, 15th company that you've gone and talked to, you'll find one that go, oh, I quite like the sound of that. It's difficult for young people anyway, but it's like, how the heck can you plan your future when you, you don't know if you're going to enjoy your job until you start doing it a, a lot of the time. So, I mean, do we see opportunities for employers to give, whether it's work experience or apprenticeships? Yeah. I guess that's part of your, like, you're nodding along, so I guess that's part of the, uh, the effort there. Yeah, yeah, so what we do is we give, um, so one thing we do is we run a quiz, and the winner of the quiz, so they have to go around the stalls to get the answers to these questions, and the winners of the quiz get to go and spend time with the company that has sponsored that quiz. So that's one thing we do. But the, it, the, um, the girls can also come along with their CV and say to a company like Philip 66 or Total the Refineries or any of the companies, can I come for a week and get some work experience? And you're actually standing in front of the person who can, who can say yes or no. So you're not sending that CV into an email address. You're standing there with the person who can say yes or no. And there was a, a lady called um, Louise came to one of our events in Hull and Spence Group were there. And she thought she was going to go to university. But actually they, they said, well, why don't you come and have a look at what we do? Um, come to the offices. And she spent a week with them. And they were so impressed with it. They said, we'll give you an apprenticeship. Um, amazing, amazing opportunity. So it really fitted with what she wanted to do. She didn't end up going to university. She went and took the apprenticeship with them. And I spoke to her a couple of months ago and she's really loving it. And they're, they're going to put her onto a degree apprenticeship. So she started as a normal apprentice doing computer-aided design. And now she's going to become a mechanical engineer. How amazing is that? So yeah, you never know unless you actually step forward, take that risk and ask. And I think that's one of the things I've noticed as an employer is more and more now young people themselves, sometimes maybe assisted by parents on this, are asking to do work placements, not just during the one or two weeks that they have to do compulsory as part of their school education, but they'll want to do that in the summer. Now, I would never have done that as a, as a young person. <laughs> um, and you, know, you, you can always look back and go, I wish I'd done things slightly differently. I just, would, just didn't have that level of get up and go at that point. But it's so important. I mean, the amount of positive feedback we get from the young people and I'm talking teenage young here who come and do a placement with us who say I, I never really understood the industry I didn't, I'd heard of this thing called marketing but I didn't know what it was yep. and you've really opened my eyes into it and I'm going to they're maybe taking the academic university route or apprenticeship and that's just us and we're just one small company so I, I feel that like it can be quite difficult as an employer to give a meaningful work experience but I think we should do it if we can because it makes such a massive impact on people it does, and I think employers underestimate how much the impact is. And they also, I think when I was in, in BP, I assumed people knew the company BP, knew what they did. And I went into a school um, local to Hull. I did a talk about how I, how I worked at BP, what jobs I did. And the kids there honestly thought I was going to come and talk about working in a petrol station because they that is what they knew of BP. They knew for Helios, they knew where their mum and dad got petrol for the car. They thought that's the job that BP offered. So companies make assumptions that people in the locality know what they do. And a lot of the time they're hidden behind fencing and great big, in case of mine, great big sort of factories. And people don't know what they do. You know, if they did, it was a long time ago. So I think companies now need to educate 
um, the wider population what it is that they do, especially the new renewables companies that are, you know, wind turbines, what sort of jobs are available there. Um, amazing number of jobs, really different to what we're used to. Uh, building a wind turbine blade, amazing. And then the, you've got the train factory coming to go. What sort of jobs are they going to be? A lot of electrical and mechanical, but building a train, it won't be the trains that we know of the trains. These are really posh, high-speed trains. So I think, um, yeah, companies, they are getting out there, but they need to do a bit more, I think. Now, as you've worked in a STEM role yourself throughout your career, and you've worked in BP, large organisations, but there was no YME when you came along. So no. what was it like for your journey then, Kirsty? Did you... Um, were there role models around then? Did you have to seek to find them and as, as a woman working in that industry? Or was that was that even an issue? Checking me back a long way here. Um, I don't remember there being any female role models. When I was looking at jobs, I actually never really considered. I, I loved physics, chemistry, maths, biology. And at school, I was surrounded by, there was a group of us, about 10, that did that those A-levels. And then quite a lot of us went off and did chemistry degrees, which is really quite strange. Um, and then I was the one that went, no, I want to do an industrial application of chemistry. I don't really remember looking for women in BP. I remember wanting to understand the culture of would I enjoy that organisation. Um, and I chose Hull because they had chemical plants. And I wanted to learn to run one of those chemical plants because I'd been used to using, you know, something the size of a baked bean can all my life, doing experiments in. And they had things that were tons and tons and tons. And that's what I wanted to have a go at. Um, so it really didn't bother me that I didn't really look around for women role models. What I looked for was um, people who knew their stuff that could teach me how to scale something up from the size of a baked bean can to something that's 50 tonnes. That's what I was interested in. So I spent hours and days sitting with control room operators and engineers going, well, how does it work? How do I get it to work better? And that's what I loved about it. Um, and I... I I've got two brothers, so it didn't bother me that there weren't loads of women around um, and that the overalls didn't fit very well when I was trogging around the plant. Um, but I think, yeah, as an organisation now, we really should have done more and companies do need to do more to make sure that you've got a workforce that is representative of the, you know, the economy that you're in, not just, it, it really doesn't work to fish in a pool where most of them are boys that are coming in. Um, so lots of companies are trying to do it differently. Um, the more forward-thinking ones are stepping forward. And, and the difference that YME gives them is, is instead of it being one company, saying so ABP are one of partners for YME, instead of Jane Spencer at ABP being one lone voice saying we want more women, actually she's a voice with 50 other people saying we want more women to be part of our organisation. So it's a louder voice rather than each company wanting to do it themselves. And if you don't, if you don't <laughs> mind me saying that, in terms of your... Uh, your career and your aspirations on that and it was a hell of a tin of beans that you ended up running there as well I've, 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 I'm sure I haven't been down all of the site but I've been to Salt End and there's a yeah there's a lot going on there that's just on, <laughs> there on is, the whole, yeah. whole stop step but you had a, a clear vision for what the role could become you had an idea of how you could apply your skills um, you were interested in the industrial placement within that and thinking about it's an application of how I can do something and this general and, and genuine curiosity of how things work but if we're not exposed to these ideas and we don't know what we don't know that's why i think this is a, an issue that um i understand what, what you focus on here is about is, is girls and women in manufacturing and engineering 
But for young people in general, if we're not exposed to what the possibilities may be, we're just going to default to something that we have heard of and that is maybe a safer, better, yeah. maybe doesn't stretch us, which is why I think when it comes to role models um, of any walk of life, there are fantastic role models out there who don't realise the power and the potential that they've got to inspire other people. Are you seeing that we're able to tap into those people and, and, and do they need to get over some humble tendencies that they might have in order to put themselves forward? Uh, the strong answer, yes, absolutely. Um, and you'll find that most women don't want to step forward and sh- and say that they're role, role model. Um, but actually, and people think that they've got to be senior to be a ro- role model. So that's the other thing. So, so some of the best role models I saw when I, when I was based out in the US was I had um, an assistant and we had a lot of graduates coming in and they really didn't understand how to work as a team. So they understood how to get through university, but not how to work in a team. And that's what was going to make them successful when I was in, in the US. And she was the best mentor ever to get them to think about, you know, this is not just about you and what you want. This is about the team and how the team works. So people sometimes think, well, I'm, I'm only, you know, just starting my career. I can't be a mentor. I can't be a role model. Absolutely not true. Because the journey you've been on, from where you've been to where you are now, even if it's two years long, three years long, five years long, it will be invaluable to someone who's at the other end of that journey that's just thinking about what the possibilities are. So, yeah, don't wait to be the CEO of some organisation before you decide to um, step forward and tell your story. Tell your story as soon as you can. So you've mentioned parents being quite an important audience that you're trying to reach with part of your work. How could parents get a bit more genned up about what the options might be for their children, what the job market of the future looks like? I think we don't use our networks enough, you know. Your parents, we go out to the pub, we go out and have meals with people, but and we tend to want to just chat about social stuff. But actually, they will know lots of people that do different types of jobs. And I've seen it time and time again where a person has a really interesting job, but they don't tell even their son and daughter about it. They come home from work and, you know, it's downtime and that is a, that's missing the point I think if we don't share what we do what we like about our job what we don't like about our job and get aunties and uncles to talk about it and friends and relatives then people will only see what's put in front of them which is what's on the tv or what's on the radio or what's in podcasts they don't hear it first time from the person who's doing it so I think sometimes parents don't tap in to the network that they've got and that is missing missing a huge piece of the, of the network they already build up. So, I mean, I've done work around uh, role models and where aspiration comes from in different sections of Hull. And there is that latching onto that one positive role model who, as you say, it doesn't necessarily have to be a particular senior role, but it's somebody who's earning enough money and is doing something that seems to be achievable in the mind of that young person. You go, brilliant, I'll do that. So it's just like, I mean, I remember meeting a guy who, he was so sure that he wanted to be a mechanic. And I said, have you ever worked in a garage? And he said, no. And I was just like, well, what makes you so sure you want to be a mechanic? Oh, because my sister's boyfriend's a mechanic and he's got a nice car. And it was just like, that one little thing has switched him on to that. Now, whether he is a mechanic or not, I don't know. But if sometimes I suppose if you haven't, we say about using our network, and I don't want to be speaking out of turn here, but social capital isn't an equal thing. Some of us have a bit of a better network than, than, than others. Um, so... If you don't necessarily have that opportunity, I guess I think the answer is go to events like yours and so on and make sure you, you're broadening your horizons. Yeah, I would come to events like ours, go to the, so the schools will run careers events that parents are invited to. I would go to that and just be forward in 
companies will answer any question you've got. If you go along and say, well, it, it would be really great if you could just let my son and daughter come along for, even if it's an hour, there's a thing that the careers enterprise company run called give an hour, which is where companies go into a school to give an hour, but actually the person could go into the company for an hour. If you don't ask, you don't get. So, you know, I would be asking and banging on the door saying, can I come for work experience? So I've lost count of the number of things that I tried. I worked in BHS to try and work out what I wanted to do. I worked in a um, catering packaging company. I went and worked for ICI, the defunct paints company. So I got a summer job there. And all I was doing was trying to work out what is it that I wanted to do. And I got a job in a lab in a, in the hospital. And actually it was the job in the hospital lab that made my decision of that's what I want to study at university, chemistry. And it was the job at ICI that made me think, yeah, I want to work in industry with my degree. Um, didn't choose ICI, I chose BP instead. But it is that stepping outside your comfort zone, trying something and going, I like it or I don't like it, because it helps you decide, are you going to go left or are you going to go right? Okay, and um, we spoke off air, um, which you said, oh, I retired a couple of years ago. You seem very busy to me to be <laughs> to be retired. Um, so what? I mean, what's driving you behind that? And I suppose you, you've, you're clearly passionate about it. You're knowledgeable about this as a subject matter. But how are you going to measure whether or not we're being successful with all of the work that you're doing? Um, so what we've started doing is is asking the girls that come to our events um, what they think. So we did a survey at Grimsby, the last one we did in October, and we asked, the teachers bring the girls along. Um, and 50% of the girls, when they walked through the door, said they were interested in a job in manufacturing and engineering because they filled in the survey. And by the time they left, that had changed to 86%. So we gained 30, 36% of the girls were now interested in manufacturing and engineering. And they'd spent an hour and a half with us. So that hour and a half meant that they they changed their thought about whether they thought they'd like working in manufacturing and engineering. So that's how we measure it, is we see the girls changing their mind just from spending an hour and a half talking to the women, hearing about the opportunities talking about what it's like, what it's not like, what are the nice bits, what are the not so nice bits. Um, and we sometimes hear the stories of girls that then go on and get a job. So they're not jobs fairs that we run, they tend to be careers fairs, so it's about careers routes. But we hear about the girls that actually then take one step further and go and get that job with Spencer Group or with um, Ideal Boilers or with um, Source or, you know, we hear about a few of them because most of the time we're talking to girls that are too young to get that job. But the ones that are old enough, yeah, we go and talk to them afterwards. And so talk to Louise at Spencer Group and say, are you enjoying it? Absolutely. So that's where we measure it is surveys when they leave. And um, do they come back again? So we've got one girl that comes to the whole event every single time because she wants to learn more about it. And her dad comes with her every single time. And I dare say there is a lot of value that you can't measure quite now. Uh, and it would come further down the line where you'll meet somebody who's just like, Do you know, I attended, they may even recognise you because you with young people, you can't really tell the seminal moments in their life and neither can they at the time. But when you look back at it and you have those little points where it's just like, ah, I, I learned to look at the world slightly differently. Yep. And you hear people that are in the industry now, ladies, um, that say, well, what was it that made you apply to go and work for, whether it was British Steel or Ideal Boilers, whatever. And it's usually something like, I went to a careers event or I went and did a bit of work experience. And you hear them talk about it and they're the ones that are in the industry now. So you know that the events work, but the impact is probably not for maybe three, five, ten years. You can't register it, so it's hard to track. So if there were a girl or a woman or a parent of um, somebody listening right now, 
why should that young person look at a career in manufacturing or engineering? Go on, this is the sell the This sales is the sell point. bit. So it's a huge variety of options. So you might start like I did as a chemist, but actually I didn't end up as a chemist working for BP. And that's the same throughout manufacturing and engineering. People start in one part of the industry and move. So you've got transferable skills. The skills you gain in manufacturing and engineering, you can move between companies, you can move between groups within one company. You get well paid. You get If you want to travel the world, it is the best place to be. So go work for GV Wind. Um, go climb their, their towers in the middle of the North Sea. Or you could go to Europe or you go to America. So if you like travel, if you like something that's a bit different, if you want to earn good money and you want to work in a team because it really is teamwork, um, it's a great, great place to be. And it's not what people think where it's only the kids that were the top set in maths or, or science. Apprentices are a really, really big part of our industry. So these are the, the people that really have practical skills. They know how to make things work. They have to be bright as well because they got past the apprenticeship standard. Um, but they take in a different route. So just because you're not going to go to university does not mean you cannot be part of our industry. And some people go straight in, straight out of school, straight into the industry, and they work their way up. And they absolutely know those industries inside out because they've probably done most of the jobs within it. So I think it's, it's amazing and it's on your doorstep. So you've got the biggest organisation for wind power. It's on our doorstep, it's in Hull, it's in Grimsby. So if you work in the renewable sector, which everybody's keen on at the moment, green power, then this is the place to be. If you wanna work in more chemical sector, we're the biggest chemical sector. If you wanna work in ports and logistics, it's the biggest ports complex in the UK. We've got fabulous growth in software. So C4DI and all the other organizations around C4DI, there's huge growth in the Humber, so there's no reason for people to leave the Humber to get a fabulous job. They're here, you just got to go and find out where you fit in. That was a pretty compelling case there, Kirsty. And I think for young people listening to that who, let's be honest, there is still some self-esteem challenges in Grimsby and Hull, as you've mentioned there, that actually look, look up, look around, aim high. There are those opportunities if you if you find that the right one for you and stick to it. And you do have to work hard, as you say, in order to do that. Nobody's going to give it to you on a plate, but it is definitely attainable. Absolutely. And, and I would say that to the people that are thinking it's not for me, give it a try. Because the people who succeed in life are the ones that step outside the comfort zone, that try something. And it, if it doesn't work out, what have you lost? Nothing, just a little bit of time. And I talked to one young girl who was absolutely adamant she wanted to be a vet and she tried work experience at a vet for two days and went, it's not what I want to do, I want to try something else. Just give things a try and ask for time from people to say, well, just tell me about the job you do. Even just spending down, sitting on a sofa, having a cup of coffee with someone saying, tell me what you do. It might spark something you've never thought of. So talking to people is amazing. So websites are good, but actually physically talking to people makes a huge huge difference to what you understand about the world of work and if you're listening to this as somebody who works with uh, in a stem related role or any kind of role just recognize the the value of, of of your knowledge about your job role and if you have got younger ears listening to it be positive about it because that is going to make a big difference on, on people's levels of aspiration. Absolutely. And, you know, the jobs that we do make a huge impact on the world. And, and people think, well, that's a bit over the top. But there's a company called Ansel that's based in Willoughby. And they make personal protective equipment. You think, well, why is that interesting? Well, they, sh they did a talk at C4DI, actually, about 
what they used that PPE for. And it was for a nurse who went out to Africa and he was there to sort out the Ebola virus. And the PPE that they were making and testing in Willoughby was the stuff he was wearing to make sure he didn't get the virus. So if you think about how can I impact the world, you might be the scientist that's making that PPE safe and sending out someone to Africa that then comes back whole again and doesn't get the virus. That's an amazing achievement. It's done right here in the Humber. And, and one of the things that I say we, I talk about quite a lot on the Socially Good podcast is if you can find that point of the career where you're good at what you do, you can get paid for doing it, you're passionate about it, but also that it helps the world and the world really needs it, you've got a pretty good grounding of a career there to, to move forward. Absolutely. Um, one last um, line of question from me really is we've talked a lot about young people and young girls, um, but also... Uh, I understand some of the work that you do is about like women returning into work because I hear it's almost criticism sometimes around oh we're always focused on young people we have to be but I do know that like the whole idea of a job for life and careers aren't what they used to be but you're doing some work around you tell us a little bit about that and and really um the support that you're getting in that uh, field so the government actually had a fund um to try and help parent returners come back to work. So it wasn't just women returns. Um, and there's quite a few organisations down in London that are getting on board with it, but not so many up in the north. Um, so they funded an, uh, a programme based um, from CIPD, organisation called CIPD, and they're funding 25 companies and 150 parent returners to help them get back into work. Um, and quite a lot of companies are interested in this because you know, there really is a shortage of skilled workers in the manufacturing engineering industry. So if you've got someone that's been out of work for whatever reason, so they're looking after elderly parents, they're looking after kids, but all of a sudden, actually, they can come back to work. This is the way that the organisations are helping them come back to work. So they're giving them mentoring and they're giving organisations help of how to find and bring those people back into work. Because it's not easy if you've been out doing other things for five years it can be a bit of a shock to come back to work. So organisations need to know what what it's going to be like and the person needs to know. So, yeah, our um, the event we're running in March, one of the ladies coming from Leeds to help explain to companies what help they can give them. And, and if the women turn up and want support, she'll be helping them as well. Well, that's really reassuring to hear. And I guess that another message that anybody's listening to this who thinks, well, I've missed the boat on all these exciting things within the Humber. You haven't. There's still still plenty of time to get on board. Absolutely. And there are organisations out there called STEM returners, women returners, tech returners. They're setting them up because they know that people are, are out there that want to come back, but they don't know quite know how to break back in. And organisations, if you Google them, you will find returner programmes all over the place. And, and I would just stick your hand up and try and get on one. So even the Open University does a programme, getting people back, returning to work. for have done sort of techie jobs in the past, but think that they're out of date. You might be out of date if you, you know, on some things, but the skills you've learned while you've been away from the world of work will be invaluable to the employer that takes you on. Wonderful. So in closing then, if anybody's interested in this, is there somewhere they should be going, anything they should be Googling, Kirsty, to find out more? So if you Google Women into Manufacturing and Engineering, it's on the Greenport Hall website. That'll tell you where our events are and we've got videos and case studies of other things that we, we've worked on. So if you want to play videos to your kids of opportunities in the industry, they're all there waiting for you to have a look at. Wonderful. We'll do check those out. So Kirsty, it's been a pleasure meeting you and learning a lot about things that it's certainly not my field of expertise. I hope that others listening to this have picked up a lot too. So, Kirsty Claude, thank you for coming on the Socially Good podcast. Thank you very much.